Jason, you may hate me with the suggestion that's going to follow because you are our resident show notes master, but I'm thinking we extend the desk photo extravaganza to the masses, the masses of audience that we have accumulated. So what do you two reckon we get people listening, you dear listener, to submit your desk photo to us online and maybe we critique it in an upcoming episode? What do you two reckon? I love that idea. I would love to see other people's uh, messes slash artistic expressions through desk artistry. Yes, I would too. They've had the chance to sort of laugh and critique our own setups. It's not fair if it's one way only. So yeah, drop, drop us a line and let us see your battle station. Type it in word format, make a haiku, whatever is, is your jam. We want to see it. We don't accept PowerPoint decks. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no PowerPoint decks. All right. So you've heard it at home, dear listener. You can send a haiku. I'm not sure if I'll understand it, but it'll be terribly poetic. If you want to show us your desk photo, we may critique it in an upcoming episode. At the very least, we'll include it in the show notes. So pop on Twitter, pop on micro.blog, maybe use the hashtag hemispheric views. That's a new thing for us. Or even join the public discord and send us your photo and uh, we'll include it. Naturally, don't include anything terribly private or secret. A little bit secret is okay, though. I'm just, I'm just super excited because Jason has a new gadget, and I think we might be due for some follow-up. I don't, I don't know if you guys have heard, but there was an Apple event. I think it was seven Apple events ago now, if I'm counting correctly. They decided to do something a little different, emphasis on little, Uh, The iPhone mini, okay? The best phone ever made by the fruit company. It is perfect in every single way. I can show you. No one else can see it. But it is the smallest phone with all of the same features built in. It fits in your hand, unlike any phone of the last seven years. It's a delight. I don't feel like it's any smaller in terms of the screen. So when I'm looking at it, I feel like the same amount of stuff is on the screen as my uh, previous 11 Pro. It's just smaller. That's it. There's not really much more to say than just it's a great phone in a smaller package. The only thing that I would say that is maybe weird is immediately when you pick it up, your brain switches to this is an iPhone 5. I don't care what you think in your brain, it thinks it's an iPhone 5, which is good in the sense that from a size standpoint, the only negative is that my finger keeps trying to reach around to the top for the power button. Oh, okay. Instinct, it's just like, it thinks that's where the power button goes. It obviously is not there, so you immediately are very confused. But other than that, the phone is absolutely wonderful. If you thought you wanted a smaller phone, this is the phone to get. Is that feeling encouraged by the fact that it has the flat sides, do you think? I think so, yeah. I think it's the combination of the flat sides and the size that as soon as you hold it, it just feels like... Because you really couldn't reach around to the top with any of these giganto phones, right? Like, there was just no way to do it. Whereas now you're like, wow, I can actually reach all sides of the phone with my hand. Maybe there's a button up there. No, there's not. That's like the only thing that's been, I guess, surprising. It's just really, really good. 5G. I guess that's good too. I don't know. I saw it in the in the in the bar on top. And you're happy with the green choice, the green color option? Oh, the green is gorgeous. It is 
I could not be happier with this color. It's the one true color. Uh, I got the green and my wife got the blue. The blue is also very, very good looking. I was an old iPhone 5 user and I really loved it too. Even though I have big hands and stuff, it was always just really comfortable to hold. The one thing that would worry me about going back to that size is the legibility of the fonts. Like, like looking at the screen, is everything so tiny that it actually feels like you're either cramped or just hard to read because everything's small? It is definitely smaller. And I think that's what I would emphasize in terms of the screen is that I think it's, I mean, I didn't like do any scientific measurements or anything, obviously, but having used an iPhone 11 Pro for a year, and now switching to this, I don't, in my day-to-day use of whatever apps I use, I don't feel like I'm seeing any less. So I think in terms of what's on the screen is the same, but to your point, I think it is smaller. So if legibility, like if you used an 11 Pro and you had it on the the big text mode, then mm. I think probably not the phone for you because if you go big text mode on this, it's going to be strange. Um, I don't think you're going to like it. I know, like my... I know my uh, we got my mom an SE two, and like she has the the text thing like jacked way up, right? So there's just like very little on the screen. It just kind of makes the UI weird. I think if if that's what you're doing, I would say go bigger phone probably. But if you're fine with just normal text size, then you're gonna be fine. And the keyboard in terms of getting your thumbs around that keyboard? It's a little bit smaller, but honestly, I think I type equally terrible on any of them. I don't really see that as being a problem. If anything, maybe it makes me be a little more diligent about typing slower instead of trying to speed type, but I don't think it's really any different. I I type equally bad on both. How are you coping without the third telephoto lens? I don't care. I mean, I ironically yeah ironically the other day we were out walking around and i was taking some photos and i actually was like oh this would be a really good use of the wide angle it was like like i haven't said that once in the last year and all of a sudden i said that total coincidence but there will be a time where i miss the telephoto i'm sure i'm sure you'll get over it i the size of the phone is so much more important i actually don't realize i have the phone in my pocket which is insane I will go to leave the house and be like, wait, do I have my phone? Oh, yeah, no, I have my phone. It's in my pocket. It's so light. That's the other thing. The aluminum compared to the stainless steel, it just weighs nothing. This phone is so, so light. You're killing me here, Jason. Please. I've spent enough. Yeah, I think everyone should buy one. But absolutely. <laughs> Please. Just go. Go out. Don't go out. No. Do actually, do not go out. Do not leave your house. Order it online. Have it delivered. Done. Don't. Don't. Yeah, we had the one more thing of it where we got, what do we get? Max. We got new Max. It's like. Finally. (laughs) It's not (laughs) always something people are excited about, but when it contains a completely new architecture in terms of chips inside, pretty damn exciting if I do say so myself. So we got new Mac minis. We got new MacBook Air and a new kind of entry-level MacBook Pro 13-inch. They all have what is now known as the M1 Apple Silicon. And I'm loving your American pronunciation of that, by the way, too, the con. (laughs) I was actually, I was was wanting (laughs) both of you to say how you say Apple Silicon, but we can get to that because I hear a lot of silicone out there and it just makes me cringe. That's definitely not correct. 
Um, it depends where the application is, really, whether it's silicon or silicone. Yeah, well, it's definitely not inside your Mac. Uh, <laughs> there may be some silicone in there somewhere, but it's certainly not in the M1. So the M1, I mean, if I, I'm not going to go into a deep dive on what that is. I'm sure if you don't know what it is, you don't care, which is fine. Just know that it is amazing and blows away everything that's currently out there. Uh, if you bought a MacBook Air entry-level MacBook Pro or Mac Mini prior to this event, I hope it was a long time prior because these are quite a big upgrade. Sure, there's some caveats, but I didn't personally get one. I really want one, but it's one of those where like, I don't I hate saying this. I don't need it, but I'm told someone in my close proximity did make a purchase. Who might that be? That would be me. I dove into the Mac mini thing and just like the watch event, I was going into this thinking I need a new Mac. I went into detail about this during our HV mini episode. If you haven't heard that, dear listener, go back and revisit them because it's good fun. I just knew that I needed to update this thing because as much as I love this machine, the temptation of Apple Silicon, system on a chip, all contained. I got the 16 gig RAM version with the two terabyte SSD. So that's doubling storage for me, doubling RAM for me. I can swap out this box, put the new one in, it's on its way. So I'm very keen to receive that. And of course, I'll update you once it's actually here. But funnily enough, sticking with the silver case, which I thought was very interesting, not the space gray, when I actually swap this around, it's gonna look like nothing changed on my desk. So it's gonna be bizarre to have what essentially looks like the exact same machine, but potentially blazing fast with iOS apps on my screen. That's going to be very strange. I can't wait to see or hear rather what that is like. It In my head, it just sounds amazing. There was all that brouhaha and carry on when the home app first came. You remember that whole thing about the date pickers and the slidey things? And yeah. this is the end of the Mac as we know it. And everyone just said, calm down. It's not a big deal. So Look, I mean, there are some iOS apps that I'd be keen to see on the Mac. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how those mechanics translate to an indirect input model. Andrew, were you tempted by anything? I am very, very tempted by both of the MacBooks that have been released, which sort of I want to put my hand up and I might need a little mini counselling session here because I am so conflicted about which is the one to get. Really, you're just saying, do I want a touch bar and a better microphone and a slightly brighter screen? And that's it. There's really nothing else to differentiate other than the size, shape. But, you know, fan, I guess, is the thing and whether it makes that much of a difference in performance. I've never had a MacBook Air, though. Uh, my wife has. She had one of the earlier ones. I've always been a MacBook Pro user. But similarly, I've never had a touch bar because I went a long time not getting a MacBook Pro because of the butterfly keyboards. I'm in this weird world where I don't have a antipathy towards the touch bar or I don't love it because I've never used it and that seems to be the defining feature so what do you do do you go save a little bit of money in a MacBook Air or do you say well just get the Pro I'm open to feedback and opinions I think the Air would be a good option purely because for work I have the last of the uh, MacBook Airs that came with the butterfly switch now that you know that keyboard has its own issues but i've been very impressed with the performance of that computer on an older intel chip so i can only imagine that you could probably get away with the macbook air and be very very happy jason do you agree or disagree i agree and disagree all at the same time here is where i would come at it from my own 
personal angle, I think it's going to be a matter of how long you're going to keep it. And I think we know that as well, I think everyone knows at this point, Andrew has a lot of spreadsheets revolving around costs of things and <laughs> depreciation and so forth. He's not going to get an M1 and then jump out and get an M2 in six months. I think we know that's not going to happen. Not going to happen, so, no. So with the MacBook Air, I think it is absolutely amazing. And I think that's a great computer. I think it, my only concern would be long term, not have, and I don't, it's just, it's hard to tell. We don't have them, but I have to imagine that fan is going to mean when you fire up that, you know, that one app that uses a lot of juice, yep. that you're going to end up back on those, those efficiency cores sooner than yeah. you would with a fan. Start ripping the DVDs. What's going to happen? Right, exactly, because, yeah. yeah. you know, all those DVDs that you're ripping <laughs> with your MacBook Air. But it's not your main machine either. So if it were your main machine, that would make me say, okay, go pro, but it's not your main machine, and you have an iPad, so you can do iPad-y things also. Yep. So I would probably go Air just because it's smaller slightly, and you can kind of get away with carrying it around more. Also, where are we going? We're not going anywhere right now. When are we going to go somewhere? If you're flying all over the place, then definitely the air. It's a really tough position to be in with these chips being like actually the same. It's not yeah. just that they, you know, spec-wise, they're the same chip. They're both the M1. If you get the slightly better uh MacBook Air, you get exactly the same M1, you know. The lower end MacBook Air has one less core, but I'm not going to do that to myself. I'm getting the eight core. Right. You know, like. So at that point, you're the exact same chip, exact same performance, same everything. If it were a hundred dollars difference, I would say just get the pro because yeah. why not? You know, then you get a yeah. touch bar. I think the touch bar is awesome. Apple have not made this easy. Thanks, Apple. Um, you've your little quadrant of, you know, home, business, laptop, desktop. You've buggered up your quadrants. I'm confused. The thing with the the iOS apps that I it was something I was thinking about yesterday actually I was really excited oh I could have iOS apps on my Mac I'm curious uh, let's see pick an app that has both uh, Fantastical I have I'm looking at that right now uh, there's a Mac version which is great there's an iOS version which is also great can you just can you have them both can you do you have to pick I wonder how that works if there is a Mac app can you not have the iOS app I, I I'm not expecting an answer, obviously, but I'm just curious. I've I've only ever thought of it as apps that don't exist on the Mac. You can now have the iOS version. Yeah. But what if one already exists, but maybe you prefer the iOS one to the Mac one? I wonder, or you bought the iOS one, but not the Mac one. That's another issue. I'm wondering how people are going to get around that. I see it as if you, it's the modern form of shovelware. So we haven't gotten around to developing a Mac app ever, and we probably never will. So here, here's our iOS app. Have fun with it. Whereas Fantastical, for instance, would be, no, that's crafted with love and care as a native Mac experience. So I would think from a developer's point of view, they will not make that available for the Mac, partly because they want you to experience the full love and care, and also they don't want to do themselves out of revenue. And I sort of think the same would probably be true of the Omni Group, for instance, that's like, I think of OmniFocus, which I use everywhere all the time. You could theoretically run that on your the, the iOS app on your Mac and it would be okay. But I still don't think you'd really want to. 
if you had the choice. I've had the same sort of experience with things like IA Writer. I use it on my iPad heavily. I use it on my Mac heavily. And I would actually be pretty happy to run the iPad OS version on the Mac. There are just those little niggly things like when you want to rename a file or drag things, the behavior is slightly different. So I think maybe it depends on the level of care from the developer as to how many of those nitpicky details or paradigm elements they adopt. So it'll be very interesting to see how it goes. So that leads us perhaps into that that next area of how do we test these apps? Yeah, test test flight. I'm guessing you could do test flight on the Mac. I don't I don't know how that's going to work, but it seems like well again, I guess if they don't uncheck the box, then test flight will be available on the Mac. <laughs> so we'll have to see if that person does or does not do their job correctly in terms of checking the box. But I I think test flight is interesting because we've always had demos on the Mac. There's the option to do a demo outside of the Mac App Store uh, on the Mac since the Mac existed. You could, you know, give it away. You could do a shareware thing. You could do a 30-day trial, whatever it is. Obviously, we've never had that on iOS. There's not ever been, probably never will be, never say never, but there hasn't been yet a way to really do a good testing of an app. I think in-app purchase is probably the closest we've ever gotten. But lately, I've, I'm kind of feeling like test flight is the way to demo apps. And with things like uh, Airport, I don't know if either of you have used that. It's an, it's an app that comes from test flight that basically tells you about all the apps that you can get in test flight. Wow. Meta. I'm, I'm honestly surprised it hasn't been shut down, but at the same time, I kind of wonder if this is just, let's not talk about it, but if people want to figure out a way to do trials on their own through test flight, go ahead because I think they're limited on how many people they can have on a test flight. So it, it kind of naturally makes it not a, a good replacement for an app store because you can't charge, you can't get any money. I don't think in-app purchases even work within test flight. So it's not like they're getting around the app store at all, but I just, I, I don't know. Do, do you, do you guys use test flight? I have a way too many apps in test flight at this point. It's kind of gross, but it just kind of occurred to me that maybe this is how we do demos on iOS and maybe that will transition to the Mac also. I've used test flight, obviously nowhere near as much as you have, Jason. I've used it predominantly for when Net Newswire came out on iOS. And then I think there was also the great uh, third-party app Gluon for micro.blog by Vincent Ritter. Really enjoyed that. But there's something about test flight I think I think it's pretty easy to use. It seems pretty self-explanatory that you're downloading a test version and installing it. But thinking about how that would translate as an experience to people who are more novice users or maybe just want to try something out, I think there's just a little bit of friction there. I don't think it's terribly self-explanatory or easy for people to understand that it's like a testing environment within another app. I think if Apple were to rethink the whole approach and put it into the App Store and have a little demo list area, pretty much the same idea, but within the App Store it would be more approachable. But it doesn't strike me as something that is terribly friendly for the average user. Does that sound elitist? I don't know. Uh, I don't think it's, no, I think it's, it sounds reasonable and that's why it is quarantined away, you know, so you have to do some digging to get it. I think that's by design in a sense. Yeah, I use it from time to time. I go off and on with it. Sometimes I just like the purity of running the, because usually I've got the app, you know, I'm not really using it as a, maybe I'm demoing the new features, but I'm usually not demoing 
an entirely new app that I have otherwise no interest in. But overall, I generally just prefer running the the production version. I also feel guilty because I don't particularly or don't often send back feedback. I don't really give much feedback. So I feel like I'm wasting everybody's time a little bit and it's not appropriate, especially if there are seat limits. You know, it would be a shame for somebody who's really into beta testing to miss out on a seat because I've got it and I'm just playing with it and using it. I don't know if that really is a problem. I'm not a developer, so I don't see that side of things. You get that annoying orange dot, though, on your icons. I don't like the dot, no. (laughs) But that's pretty much all that you really notice that's different or annoying about it because I had this experience where I can't remember the name of the app, but I was on test flight for a particular RSS app that was being tested and it was super polished. It was beautiful. And I think it was just as they had redesigned a lot of the elements of iOS to have the large banners, the bold headings at the top. It was the new design language at the time. And it was really beautiful, really polished. And I started to really like using this, but there was this ominous message about how when it would be finalized, there would be this fee and there'd be a subscription and there'd be, you'd have this recurring payment for these features. And in my mind, using the test flight, it felt like a completed app and I had it completely free. And there was this sort of dissonance. There was this feeling of, oh, I've got this thing already, but I'm going to have to pay for this. And I didn't really want to stick around, even though I really enjoyed it because I pay for enough services already. So there might even be the risk if it's too polished and you're used to having this thing just auto updating that you don't become a converted customer when suddenly you have to pay for this thing. Yeah, it, it, it's it's such a fine line, isn't it? With like, is it a genuine subscription or is it, gee, it would be horrible for this app to go away, you know? Like, you, it, when is it protection money, <laughs> basically? <laughs> nice app you have here. It'd be a shame if it disappeared. Real, real quick, uh, does Australia have Apple Pay Cash yet? Just doing my fortnightly check. No. No, that's a no. Okay, just checking. I'm going to keep checking back. It's going to happen someday. We're going to give it to you. But uh, look, spreadsheets have been mentioned already, and, and now you've brought up money. And I can see something in the in the show notes here that something about a weird document that Andrew keeps. Is that related to spreadsheets or money, cash-related, anything like that? You are the CFO after all. Which weird document? That's the question. I mean, I feel like, most of his documents are probably pretty weird. <laughs> they all are pretty weird, i got to admit. I think it was off air that we were talking about this, bizarro kind of documents. And I mentioned the fact that I have this spreadsheet referred to earlier in the podcast. I buy a lot, I, I, at least in, in my world, it's a lot of computer hardware. It probably isn't really but for a hobbyist standard, but I still like to track things. I, I want to know... How much money am I spending on this stuff and how long does it last? Whenever there's a significant asset purchase, I will put it down and I'll notate the acquisition date. I have a column for the disposal date and then I have a life of service calculation. So it works out whether it's disposed yet or whether it's just today and will tell me how long it's been in service for. I've got a purchase price and then a cost per week. So I can start to understand how much is this asset costing me on a weekly basis if I was to look at it like that. So, I, you know, for instance, I can tell you that my original Apple Watch Series 1, I bought on the 28th of September in 2016 and I disposed of it on the 1st of October 2020. So it lasted me 209 weeks and a day. At $449, that works out to $2.15 per week. 
That compares with my current Apple Watch, which is currently costing me $98 per week. Whoa. So I need, I need to hang on to that for a bit longer. It's only been in service for six weeks and four days. That's a lot of blood oxygen measurements right there. $98 a week. <laughs> now, the great thing, you get some good data and you get some bad data. My, where is it? I have a cinema display, which is still battling on. Cinema display, bought it in 2011. On the 15th of January in 2011. That thing must be paying you every week now. My goodness, 513 <laughs> weeks of service. That's like 10 years. Where's it sitting? Where is, is it operating? My wife is currently using that as her oh. external monitor for the, her 2013 MacBook Pro. <laughs> That's dedication. I know this is why I don't want to upgrade computers because that monitor won't work anymore. It's not even Retina, but it's costing me. It's cost me $2.53 a week. Still? With the original purchase. Purchase price was $1,300. Yeah. Yeah. It starts to, so you basically got to say, I don't like, I don't like this spreadsheet at all. This is, this doesn't seem like any kind of news I would ever want to be able to have readily accessible. <laughs> no, that's fine. And I've got a chart. Of course, this is charted as well. Now I want to know, because naturally as the CFO, you're tracking things. It's sensible. It's responsible. You want to know where your money's going, what sort of value you're getting out of your investments. So I get this whole thing like Jason, it's crushing my spirit a little bit, but I want to know when push comes to shove yes. and a purchase decision comes around and that highly irrational human behavior kicks in of, Ooh, shiny me want. Yep. Does this yep. actually help you to stop or to rationalize or does it just sort of fall to the wayside and you end up putting a new number in it because you bought something? It's a great question, Martin. I see this spreadsheet as more of a backward-looking document, historical information. However, that doesn't let me off the hook because what I have to manage that is I have my YNAB budget, youneedabudget.com. Not a sponsor. Not a sponsor. They should be because the <laughs> thing is amazing. And, you know, if you want to sign up, use my referral code at least, you know, hook me up that way. But you need a budget. I have a complete chunk of items that almost sort of replicates my spreadsheet and it sets aside a certain amount of money each week. So I kind of know I will want a new Apple Watch in 2023, right? So I look and I say my, la my first one lasted me four years. So I assume this one will last me about that. So I'll say, and the, I reckon it'll cost about 500 bucks in 2023. So it tells me that I need to therefore budget X number of dollars to get to that amount in 2023. And so I do the same thing with all my hardware purchases. I build up money so that when the time comes, it's sitting there. I go guilt-free. I can buy myself a new computer because the money's sitting there waiting for it, waiting for me to use it on that purpose. With like this new MacBook Air, would you put that in there and find out it's... I don't know, $400 a week or whatever. And with that, some, is there some kind of trigger that says if it's less than X dollars per week, it's a go versus no go? Or is it truly just <laughs> stuff goes in there and I'll look at it later? No, the dollars per week thing is just a little informational thing because I could. Got it. Um, but okay. yeah, it, but I do need to have, I, I do need to have the money put aside before I can purchase it. And look, if I don't have enough saved up and I really want to get it, I might say, well, look, I'm going to defer my purchase of the watch and I'm going to put the money I'd set aside for the watch into the MacBook Pro slash Air category and I'm going to go now. Or you just record a podcast and we tell you it's a great idea. Go ahead and buy it. 
and then you think i agree sounds good board meetings are for making tough decisions (laughs) and that is what this is andrew i have another question natasha calls me a pusher and when she says that she's not referring to drugs she's referring to the fact that i constantly try to push apps and services and different things onto her translating this to you do you push such spreadsheet behavior onto your wife hannah yes I do. We pool our money, so we've been married and together long enough that we just all our revenue goes into the one bucket and we manage it jointly. But I'm always reminding her, don't forget to enter those groceries into Wineab. Oh, <laughs> I, you, I, you know, I, I was I was reconciling Wineab and I noticed there was a, uh, you know, some shoes got bought and they weren't in the register. I don't mind you buying the shoes. I don't care about that. But maybe if you could just enter it into Wineab. On your you phone. must be so popular at home. Oh, mate, this is—it's <laughs> not easy being a CFO, okay? Somebody's so if I told it. you, if I told you that I went grocery shopping with Natasha on the weekend and I went and bought mangoes, even though they were more expensive than usual, and I got more than the last time, and I didn't enter it into a spreadsheet, and I then enjoyed said mangoes, how are you feeling? Jason's looking worried. Are you okay about that, Andrew? He would divorce you in a minute. Well, look. <laughs> I don't like the idea that you didn't enter the transaction anywhere. I'm glad you enjoyed the mangoes, but you need to realize that you're stealing from your future self because maybe you went over budget for those groceries. And so that means that buying your your uh, Mac Mini just got a little bit harder. So I hope you enjoyed that mango. I really did. I, often I buy the Kensington Pride. They're really good. But these were R2-E2 mangoes. They sound delightfully close to R2-D2. <laughs> Nothing to do with Star Wars. Also, Disney is not a sponsor. But they were mega mangoes. They were more expensive. The flesh was beautiful and supple. And I regret nothing as past, present or future, Martin. But I will take on board your budgeting tips. I fully stand behind your mango buying decision. Thank you. And I think you should have bought twice as many as you did. not <laughs> <laughs> On your spreadsheet, you keep talking about per week and it's making me a little bit hesitant to ask this because this is yep. somewhat of a, a it's a touchy topic. When does your week start? And maybe this is like Australia versus US, although I am in not the majority in terms of US people. Does your week start on a Monday or on a Sunday? Regardless of which it is, why is that? And yeah, what do you, what's your personal preference? And do you find that your personal preference conflicts with the people slash things around you? Yeah, I have very strong feelings about this. In Australia, as far as I'm aware, someone had the bright idea that the first day of the week is Sunday. I don't understand where this came from. Um, I'm not a particularly religious person, but as far as I'm aware, Sunday is the rest day. Traditionally, it's the seventh day of the week. It's even in that thing next to Saturday that is collectively known as the weekend. Monday's the first day of the week, as far as I'm concerned. I change the calendar to reflect that if the default setting in any app says that it's Sunday. And you know what? Somehow, unlike, you know, not acknowledging daylight saving time or something, uh, when you choose to make Monday the first day of your week, the world doesn't collapse. You're not suddenly in sync and going to work on a Sunday. Everything goes as it should. So I'm in the Monday first day of the week camp. Thank you. Andrew, you are now in the hot seat. You're right, Martin, that in Australia, the official way, I believe, is that Sunday is the beginning. Being a rule follower myself for the <laughs> many, many years of my life. Oh, no. I recognized 
the yeah, well, that's the, that's the law of the land that we live in. So therefore, Sunday is day one, and and I rationalized it in the weekend. It's it's weekend. It's ending the week. So you have end over here, end over here. It's on the ends weekend. It's not week end of the week weekend. It's ends of the week weekend. <laughs> now, that was my position until. I would say 18 months ago, maybe two years ago. And I suddenly thought, I'm going to change it. Because really, whenever I think about my life, I think about Saturday and Sunday as a block unit and Monday through Friday as another block unit. So why am I complicating myself? And when I want to plan, I need to see Saturday and Sunday next to each other, not you know one half of it on one screen, swipe across to see the next screen. I've now changed. My life is infinitely better. People, if you haven't changed to weeks begin on a Monday and they end on a Saturday, Sunday, you are doing it wrong. I am so relieved. I am so glad we don't have to cancel this podcast. <laughs> I was I was on edge there for the last 45 seconds. I was It was going in a bad way. I was I had my finger hovering on the delete button of the website. It was very close. But I'm I am happy to see that this has come back around. Obviously, I'm the same way. Uh Monday starts the week. It just visually it looks better on a calendar, and I've gotten rid of calendar apps that couldn't do it. I'm very happy to hear that you're both uh in the correct side of the calendar camp. I'm glad that you asked. I'm glad that you asked me now and not 2 years ago. It would have been the end of a beautiful friendship. Yeah, if you had been doing Sundays the first day of the week, how on earth did we even schedule this podcast? How many time zones are between us? And then suddenly the date. Oh, it was stressful. Nightmare. Did I, did I mention in my spreadsheet that I can tell you both the median and the average price of all assets ever purchased? Uh, no, you like didn't, I, but please, just please go like on. I think everyone would like to hear about that. Can you tell us the formula? Absolutely, I can. Of course I can. It's easy. This is numbers, right? This isn't this isn't Excel. I mean, I know you're you're all about finance and everything, but this is not Excel, correct? This is numbers. Okay. I went numbers. It's a personal project, therefore numbers can be can be the go. No, the median price of all the assets on my column, uh, four hundred ninety nine dollars. So that's the middle the middle price. That's, that the makes average, the new laptop only four hundred ninety nine dollars. Well, not quite. Basically. How did you manage to get your median price to sound like an Apple price? I know. It's quite impressive, isn't it? Because well, they're all Apple products yeah. on the list. <laughs> the average is a very unhelpful $729.18. Doesn't quite have the same ring to it. Okay. Media corner. It's media corner time. I hope all you right. came prepared. And I would like to... Let's see. Who started last time? I think Martin went first... So we'll go Andrew first. Alrighty. This is the one I have been enjoying. I'm still in the process of enjoying this show. It's a show. Again, another Apple TV program. Continuing on the strong run after I panned it originally and said Apple TV is not worth it. Suddenly I'm realizing it's totally worth it. This one is a long way up. The motorcycle adventure travel show featuring uh, Ewan McGregor and uh, Charlie Borman. I think that's his name. I was a big fan of Long Way Round and Long Way Down when they came out. And it's hard for me to even realize how long ago that actually was. 
I think I had to source those from the back of a truck with the license plate that said Torrance uh, a long time ago. Because with a Z. We yes, definitely with a Z. <laughs> uh, because TV was hard to come by. That's how long ago that show was um, was originally aired. So it's really cool to see this one in you know 4K, high definition, drones flying everywhere for the footage and everything. But what makes this show is other characters. And I really, yeah, it's obviously Ewan McGregor is the driving force. He's like the uh, the known guy. But I actually really like Charlie. I think he's a good character. I really enjoy what he brings to the table. But it's also just really, not, it's a nice heartwarming show. There's, they have a few dramas along the way. Things go wrong. So you have some action. You know, are they going to escape? This is, you know, they're going to, they're riding on electric motorbikes, which is crazy. It's just really fun show to watch. And the, the scenery is beautiful. And it just, it's like an epic travelogue. And it's kind of like the, the thing I'm sure we would all like to do with our own lives, but we don't have a budget to achieve it. So long way up. I don't know anything about this show. I've heard. I think I'm wondering if this is going to be another Ted Lasso situation because I hear about it a lot, but I never. It didn't really pique my interest when I first saw it. Well, this one has a legacy about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it sounds like there's there's previous shows. Was it? I, I was under the impression it was actually these two people as themselves. But am, do I have that wrong? Is this actually a show where they're playing characters, or are they just? No, no, no. This is about those people. This is yeah, those people. They are oh, okay. they are being them. They are being themselves. I just see them as characters because you know Got people it. people are characters. And yes, it does have a legacy. So this is their third adventure, all with the same the same people. Even the same sort of camera crews have joined on. So yeah, it's a real it it all and you almost sense that that they're excited to be back together, having another adventure after the last one was a decade ago or however long it was. It's really cool and it's just. A great show, but also showing like how things are changing and you see them riding electric, they're riding electric motorbikes and driving electric cars from the bottom of South America up to Los Angeles. And wow, it's, that's, I mean, no easy task and sure they had a support crew and they have pre-prep and all those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, they are still riding these motorbikes and it's a really, really cool adventure. Awesome. Another plus one for the Apple TV column i think last week i did a game and i'm gonna do another game surprise uh this week i'm going to go with a game called carto c-a-r-t-o it's a very relaxing game well i say relaxing i did get a little heated with it last night but it's a game where you are the the premise is that you have the ability to effectively change the map and the world around you so you are walking around like you would in any other kind of game, but you can go into a kind of overhead view where the map is in squares and you can rotate each piece and move them around like a jigsaw puzzle to rearrange and, and complete different puzzles. Or if you need to get somewhere that you're not able to get to, you just change the map and now you can get there. So it's it's a unique way of manipulating the world around you where you kind of control what the world looks like versus the other way around where you have to figure out how to navigate the world. You just, you make your own path. It's kind of a hand-drawn feel to it, which is nice instead of the normal, you know, super realistic 3D graphics. It's, it's nothing like that. It's a much more tame and just 
relaxing puzzle type game. And I think if you're not really a hardcore gamer, this still is very appealing, I think, to to anyone who would try it. If you're if you're into figuring out puzzles, I think this would be a good game to get into. And it's also fun just kind of doing it. It's not actually multiplayer, but if you're with someone else kind of going back and forth to try to figure out and just have one person do the controls and figure out all the puzzles and how to move things around. Um, that's kind of how we've been playing it over the last week or so. So yeah, Carto is a, it's a, it's a good game. It's all over. It's on all kinds of platforms. So, and it's again, not super, you know, it's not a big, big budget $60 thing. It's uh, very reasonably priced and, I think overall a really well done game. I'm tempted. I may end up purchasing that one. That sounds like something I could get into. And that was instantly appealing to you, Jason? You you didn't have to work through it or No, no, it was I think it was the art style that really stuck out at first and then when they did a quick pop out, move the map all around and now you're in a wholly different place. It was very it was a unique mechanic that I've never seen before in a game and it just seemed like that's the draw was that mechanic seemed very uh, enticing. Shifting to mine in Media Corner, I, I thought I'd be a little bit weird, a little bit Australian, uh, and this is not new in the slightest. This is not like you, being being weird? What's going on here? Thanks. Thanks, Andrew. That's kind. Yeah, so I, I've recently rewatched a very, very beloved favourite program of mine from when I was a kid. In fact, it might have even been made before I was a kid. It's a show called Barjas. Are you familiar with that? <laughs> Am I familiar with it? Any of you lovely ladies care to join me in a Dutch oven? (laughs) Jason does not look impressed. So many questions. So many questions. I, I am ready to watch it again. Jason's obviously very surprised and shocked by this. So to give you some context, in Australia, there was a comedy group and a lot of these comedians or actors or writers or whatever are still very active on different projects but they were called the degeneration and they had a program called the late show and it was a recurring program right it was a thing that was on broadcast tv but they would occasionally do these weird specials and one thing that they did was called barjas and what they did was they went through a 1970s police drama called bluey and they raided the season's worth of footage and spliced together a completely different voice dubbed program voicing as the actors themselves with these alternative characters. And they took the main character, this rather portly gentleman from Bluey, uh, I think that was his actual name from that show, and called him Barjas. And they turned the whole thing into this horrible toilet humour fart comedy where he's just totally flatulent and making a fool of himself at the police station. And it's one of the most Australian things you'll ever see. And, you know, they've got... They've got things like, in the opening credits, Anne Burke played by Anne Burke, but the Anne Burkes are spelt differently each time. And his offsider or right-hand man is known as Detective Glenn 20, Glenn 20 being like a disinfectant spray here in Australia. So I just crack up watching this every time. But I remember growing up, being like six or seven years old, thinking this is the most hilarious thing because their voices didn't line up. So that's why I'm bringing it to Media Corner today. I don't know how accessible it is for people outside of Australia, but I do think it's available in the combo special with olden days which was another special they did for five bucks on itunes or something so if you're looking for a weird piece of australian culture check oh, out barge jump on i had that on vhs as well as the uh the best of the late show videos yep. all on vhs and now all lost to me so if it's on itunes i don't care they could charge me 30 bucks if i can watch barge again oh, i'm up for it 
This is that's only like gr- eighteen cents a week, so I think it's, <laughs> I think it's a go. I'm moving money in my wine budget right now. I'm creating a barjas category. Oh, Jason, you have to see. Yeah, I think this is. I will. I will shout. I will buy you. Buy it for you, Jason. You need to see this. Even if you hate it, even if you hate it or think it's not funny at all, it's just such an insight into a very particular period in Australia mocking another period in Australia, which may or may not be funny to our current period in Australia. It's layers upon layers. This was 80s, 90s, 2000s. When was this? 90s, about the 70s, I think. Okay, got it. Wow. Yeah, but deliberately (laughs) absurd. I'm thinking about the action scenes that they play. (laughs) <laughs> because they, they yeah. portray this uh, sort of fat barge ass character He occasionally does yeah. like a running scene But it's the running scene <laughs> from the 70s show And, and then overdub it for my memory serves They kind of just have him going <sighs> yeah. like, One more pissy stunt Ugh, Like grunts and stuff It's just ridiculous I will be searching YouTube for clips Because surely they will be there and then I will fire up my uh, Australian iTunes and get in there, get my VPN going. Sure, is it not, surely it's not geo-blocked. Surely you can get to it on an, a US account. It might be too offensive for the American market. Remember, people can say the F word here on television. No, that's true. No way! Oh, yes. After a certain uh, time slot, you can get away with it. That's f- awesome! <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're moving. That's it. We're out of here.